it's the sound that gets you first. This is an F-35 Lightning II. At a top speed of almost 2,000 kilometers per hour, it's one of the most advanced fighter jets in the world. Capable of stealth and 360-degree targeting and tracking, this aircraft engages a target without even looking at it. We get to see the future with the Joint Strike Fighter. That is a loud, big, shiny sort of aircraft and it doesn't matter, young or old, <laughs> everyone will uh, come out of the offices to watch an uh, air display. It's always inspiring to watch them. Hi, I'm Lily Serna and this is Technically Possible, a podcast produced by BAE Systems Australia, taking you into Australia's defence industry to meet the people transforming technological hopes and dreams into reality. Back in 1919, the Australian government wanted to stimulate our aviation industry. So, they offered a prize of £10,000 to the first aviators who could fly from the UK to Australia in less than 30 days. South Australian brothers Ross and Keith Smith were the first to finish this journey and touch down in Darwin. They flew in open cockpits and to save weight they made the journey without a radio. They relied on a handheld compass, basic maps and dead reckoning for navigation. It took them 28 days with an average speed of 137 kilometres per hour. From those early days, Australian aviation has come a long way. Those F-35 Joint Strike Fighters we opened the program with are Australia's first fifth-generation air combat aircraft, a multi-role jet with both fighter and strike capabilities. By 2024, there will be 72 F-35 fighter jets in the Royal Australian Air Force fleet. Lockheed Martin Aeronautics is responsible for the F-35's development, and BAE Systems is one of many companies working to manufacture and maintain these aircraft. In this episode, we look into Australia's aviation industry and visit the Hunter region in New South Wales, home to RAF Base Williamtown since the late 1930s. We meet the people who reach the sky flying F-35s, as well as those who work in the hangar, those who help develop the technology, and young engineers who are now reaping the benefits. We'll find out more about Australian aviation manufacturing and the cool tech we're contributing to aviation globally. And we're going to start with this man. Air Chief Marshal Mark Binskin retired. I'm currently Executive Director of Defence and National Security Policy within BAE Systems Australia. So I've always been inspired by aviation. Ever since I was a young child, my father used to fly in general aviation. And uh, growing up, you always saw a part of the movies with you know, the Battle of Britain and the like. And so that always inspired me to be a military pilot and fly the best aircraft that were out there and fly them to their limits. After initially serving on naval aircraft carriers, Mark moved across to the Air Force. I'm in a unique position where I can appreciate both the Navy flying and the Air Force flying, but there's no doubt that joining Air Force allowed me to have a career that probably wasn't available to me in the choice of flying in the Navy at the time. I was lucky enough to be chosen to be in the initial cadre to fly the FA-18 Hornet and train in the United States and then bring that aircraft back. And that's the aircraft that I have most of my hours on. I was also lucky enough to be on exchange with the United States Air Force and fly F-16 Falcon aircraft 
Most people call it the Viper. So I spent three years with the US Air Force flying that aircraft as well. Over his 40-year career, Mark has seen a real evolution in defence aviation. I guess the first change that you would think of when you look at the different aircraft is the technology, the weapons, the tactics that were used and you grew over time as the technology changed. We went from uh, shorter range missiles, unguided bombs and weapons for air to ground to long range air to air missiles and precision weapons uh, in air to ground and then you had stealth technology at various levels coming in, engine technologies, uh, flight control technology, fly-by-wire aircraft that you input into the computer as a pilot, but the computer decides what the best mix of flight control inputs are to fly the aircraft. So there's a lot in the technology. These technologies embraced by aviation aren't just making pilots' lives easier, they're also saving lives. The risk and the understanding of the risk and the management of risk in aviation has changed a lot over my career. We had a lot of accidents when I was younger. I uh, unfortunately would normally go to a funeral of a friend probably once every six months early on in my career. But as we changed with the technology, aircraft became more reliable. We got into a better risk management system and understanding the risks and only take the risks that were required for the, the mission. It became a lot safer to fly and a lot safer for the technicians as well that were working on them. Just like to say, on behalf of the BA Systems team, happy 100th birthday to the Royal Australian Air Force. I've had a long association with the Royal Australian Air Force from my initial time in it, and indeed my, my family has as well. Um, my uncle was one of the first technicians that was trained and then came back with the F-111. Andrew Chapman began as a technician in the RAF before training as an electrical and computer engineer. He is now the Director of Aircraft Sustainment and Training at BAE Systems Australia, based at Williamtown. Andrew's team supports the RAF's F-35 fighter jets and the Hawk Lead and Fighter, which is the fast jet training fleet. Support includes maintenance, engineering, supply chain services and upgrades. The line of business that I'm responsible for is all of the aerospace and training elements. And what that means is we've got a big role on Hawk, the Hawk lead-in fighter platform, which is basically a fast jet trainer. It's a BA Systems product, and we do everything that's required to allow fast jet trainee pilots to be graduated to go on to fast jet aircraft. We've also been assigned quite a chunk of work on the Joint Strike Fighter, and that's all happening out of Williamtown as well. Both the Hawk and F-35 support programs are significant contributors to local and national economies, with more than 1,600 jobs to be created across Australia. These programs will attract a unique blend of technical skills. It's always blows my mind a bit when I have to describe it because it's pretty diverse, really interesting, lots of diverse, talented people that are working in that space. The technologies that Andrew works with are very different to those he experienced early in his career, thanks to the fourth industrial revolution known as Industry 4.0. Technology is changing and adapting pretty significantly. And, you know, the whole thing around um, Industry 4.0, Internet of Things, is fast becoming something that we're looking hard at. Data analytics is a piece that we're looking at how we use that more effectively. There's a hell of a lot of thinking going on about how autonomy is most effectively deployed because there are things that humans absolutely do best, which is the whole decision making process 
And there are a whole lot of common standard process areas that can be automated. What Andrew is talking about here is how an aircraft can be operated autonomously. This is sometimes referred to as an unmanned or uncrewed aircraft. I think autonomy is a massive growth area, which you can appreciate, you know, in the defence space makes a whole lot of sense because, you know, it keeps humans out of harm's way. There are aircraft flying autonomously now, but there are different levels of autonomy, Lily, you know, like how decision-making is done autonomously and what's appropriate, whether there's humans in the loop and to what level those humans are involved. That's going to be a an evolving technological discussion, probably an evolving ethical discussion about that as well. As we consider moving away from having pilots and cockpits, Mark Binskin thinks that despite technological advances, human interaction remains critical. I think we'll still have pilots. I I think a combination of pilots and technology will be the way to go into the future, or not just pilots, aircrew as a whole. You get a lot of flexibility in having aircrew operating aircraft out there. So that doesn't mean that we're not going to have technology there, but we are, I think we're going to have a bit of a mix on the best way to go forward. Along with autonomy, the use of virtual reality and augmented reality is a big part of the future in aerospace. Today, you can find VR and AR in the classroom, where Andrew Chapman's team is training the next generation of pilots. Virtual and augmented reality is something that we're looking hard at. So if you can imagine pilots in a classroom, you always see, you know, say the instructor pilot that's got two aircraft on a stick and saying, when this one manoeuvres this way, I've got to manoeuvre that way, etc. A far better way moving into the 21st century to do that sort of stuff is to be able to take data off the aircraft of the way that the pilots have flown and be able to actually put a set of virtual reality goggles on them and then say, look, let's you refly this mission and show you what you did do and then perhaps show you a way that it could have been optimised or the way that your instructor flew it. For the first time, as far as being able to immerse pilots in that happening in the aircraft, it can actually happen on the ground and pilots can be far better prepared by the time they get into the aircraft for, you know, where they need to be looking, what sort of manoeuvre they need to be pulling, etc., And the feedback that we've had from introducing the virtual reality into that space has been huge. While part of this training is ground-based, AI is also being taken directly into the cockpit. Where, say, a pilot's flying in an aircraft, but as well as being able to see the real world and what's happening as far as the other aircraft are concerned, there are, say, synthetic threats that are introduced through a helmet or a set of goggles so that while flying the aircraft, there's actually real things happening in a real world that the pilot has to deal with to fly the aircraft, which is a way to test and develop the skills in that space in a far safer way without using as many aircraft that would be required. And obviously, those synthetic threats can do whatever they're programmed to do. So, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. It's the sound that gets you first. This is Chris. Together with Stephanie, they are part of the next generation of aerospace engineers based at Williamtown. So, my role is an interesting one. It could be anything from deciding what sort of spanner to use to turn a particular nut, or it could be planning a big change to the aircraft. So engineering is this beautiful thing where it's a way to think and it's a way to solve problems 
and absolutely everyone can be engaged by that. Everyone has problems they need to solve. Stephanie's love of aviation began when she was young. So when I was 15, I actually went on a joy flight in a Cessna 152. It was absolutely incredible and, of course, unlike anything I'd experienced before. So this marked the start of my journey in aerospace, the point after which I always read aviation magazines, bought fast jet books at op shops, and, of course, chose STEM subjects in school. This led me to complete a Bachelor of Aerospace Engineering at RMIT University in Melbourne and ultimately apply for the BAE Graduate Program. I guess it was the unknown of this giant feat of engineering and hardware that could get up into the sky and could take people around the world. So... To me, that was reaching whole new areas that I hadn't yet been exposed to. And yeah, the curiosity uh, stuck with me. Chris entered the industry through the BAE Systems Graduate Program, which offers many opportunities for young engineers. The BAE Systems Graduate Program works with four rotations. And I did all four rotations locally at Williamtown because there's so much diversity in work here. It's I was able to experience a whole plethora of tasks and uh, roles working as a young engineer. The office isn't too huge, but it certainly has plenty of opportunities. There's always things going on, always construction, always different trucks coming in and out, new faces coming on board. And that's just one part of the whole new capability that the precinct is really delivering here in Newcastle. So at the beginning of my graduate program, I was fortunate enough to work on an aerospace virtual reality project. This project combined novel engineering development work with a tangible and progressive product and a whole lot of fun testing it along the way was incredible. Um, Another memorable time actually was when we formally welcomed the first fifth generation F-35 joint strike fighter aircraft to Williamtown. Now this is a huge step. It puts Australia at the centre of the fifth generation global joint strike fighter program, a vital, crucial component of our sovereign defence capability. It's also an achievement for Australian industry on a global scale. Eventually, this facility will maintain all F-35 aircraft in the Southeast Asia region. It's about keeping Australians safe in a very uncertain world. This marked the aircraft ready for maintenance, repair, overhaul and upgrade in the South Pacific Regional Sustainment Depot as part of the commencement of a long-term sustainment program. We get to see the future with the Joint Strike Fighter. That is a loud, big shiny sort of aircraft and it doesn't matter young or old everyone will uh, come out of the offices to watch an air display it's always inspiring to watch them throughout this podcast series i've met people who are not just passionate about their day jobs but about something bigger working together towards a common goal it's definitely more than a team it's a community that is one thing that struck me when I joined BAE Systems at Williamtown is it's a big site, but it's also a very close community. So I suppose it probably is an aerospace thing. Maybe it's in other industries, but when people 
get the opportunity to work with with aircraft and that all any aspect of the aerospace um, industry they like to stay they, they like what they do it really is that sense of community that everyone can bring a new perspective maybe they've worked on different aircraft or different platforms but what they bring is a very open mind and a very constructive mindset so they they can really bring different lessons from different but similar aircraft and because of that everyone's always willing to help each other out During my exploration of Australia's aviation capabilities, I wanted to get an understanding of the manufacturing side of things. While some industries have been moving away from manufacturing in Australia, others are continuing to build this industry. These include defence primes like BAE Systems and, very importantly, almost 1,000 original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, and small to medium enterprises, or SMEs. As an example, every F-35 Joint Strike Fighter in the world will have components that are manufactured right here in Australia. And more than 3,000 aircraft are planned to be delivered globally. And so, to find out if there are opportunities for further growth, I spoke to Craig McWilliam, the CEO of the New Press Group. New Press works in CNC manufacturing. That's an acronym for Computer Numerical Control. And that's where code and software control the movement of production equipment. I think the defence industry as a whole, in, in one sense, you're, you're sort of competing with people, but at the same time, we're all working together. I guess that we need to understand that for us to succeed, we, we need a network of capabilities that, that draws primes and OEMs to a value proposition in the Hunter. And I guess every win that we have in the region is a win that's shared. You can't really facilitate defence programs in isolation as an SME. You really do need to collaborate for successful outcomes. But I would say New Press as a company, as we're developing our supply chains and partnerships, we'd be collaborating with 20 or 30 other Australian SMEs to deliver successful outcomes in our defence space presently. At an SME level, it is really important that we work together and collaborate. Together, we, we learn some of the things we didn't know. Together we identify other things that we didn't know and ultimately what we've found in our experience at New Press is a growth of capability of one SME generally benefits all the SMEs that are connected. New Press is an inspiring example of an Australian company adapting to changes in technology and the market. And New Press isn't only supplying the Australian market. Coming from an Australian manufacturing base, we spend a lot of time researching and developing you know, that allow us to offer a level of quality and precision that make us globally competitive, not just competing with, with people uh, here in Australia, but you know, understanding that to be in the defence industry, you're globally benchmarked. There are so many Australian companies that are not only doing Australian manufacturing proud, but being successful globally in their own right. It's, it's an impressive story. I think it gives our employees an immense sense of pride you know, that what they're contributing is not only you know, commercially beneficial to New Press and, and helping the company grow, but you know, a lot of what we do is contributing to help keep people safe around the world. Yeah, New Press is very proud to be part of the F-35 program and many other platforms around the world. BA Systems' Mark Binskin believes that these global partnerships allow Australia to build its own sovereign capability, 
keeping jobs in Australia now and into the future. And so the key to all that is our partnerships internationally, working with uh, our allies and our close partners, those people and countries that share the same values and the same interests as us, and our partnerships with industry, because we can't do all this uh, alone, or military can't do all this alone. This is uh, needs to be something that's in partnership with industry as well as the Defence Force. Like any other industry, aerospace brings its own challenges that are in some ways similar to those faced by the Smith brothers in 1919. The challenges today are more about understanding the technologies, the higher tech technologies, and how to best implement those technologies to get the best effect. We are probably doing it back then, but it's just different technologies, and you're always working to get the best effect out of what you have to achieve the mission. So the challenges are the same. It's just that with the new technologies coming along now, you've got a new generation of people that would look at things differently and look at different ways of utilising that technology. So from my side of it, having sort of come to the end of my uh, military career, I would always say to the younger generation, I'll uh, I'll tell you what needs to be done, but you're best placed to tell us how to do it with the technology that we have. Because using the newer generation to use those technologies, you get the most out of it. Attracting that new generation requires its own strategy as Craig McWilliam knows only too well. One of the challenges we've found over the years is we're all fishing from the same pond. So what you'd find is when you when you had a good talent or asset base, constantly people fishing to take them from you. And I see what they're trying to do with some of the education and the embracing of the different things is, is really trying to grow the amount of fish in the lake rather than all fish from the same pond. So I think Andrew and the team at BAE have put up a lot of attention onto STEM ship and, and developing quality people to work in our industry. For the next three decades, BAE Systems will manage the Asia-Pacific warehouse for the F-35 aircraft and maintain its key components. Growing the next generation of engineers and technicians is something Andrew Chapman is passionate about. Because the F-35 program, the life of type of the Joint Strike Fighter is out to 2075. That's a long, long time. And what it means is there's a large number of multiples of school and university life when you think about it for a lot of kids, a lot of students in that space. So what it's allowed us to do is think fundamentally differently about how we need to be engaging in primary school, in high school, and then, you know, obviously into the TAFE and university system to make sure that the opportunity for working in a high technology STEM-based industry and capability like the F-35, that that opportunity exists, as well as that team work, we need diversity of thought to be the most effective that we can possibly be. And it comes through our supply chain and it comes through, you know, different people with different backgrounds being a part of our team so that they can offer different views so that we can debate what the best solution to issues are and what opportunities exist to develop capabilities in a different way, in the most effective way. Andrew's role in developing training programs means he knows what's needed to attract people into this vibrant industry. We regularly open up our site and basically let the students come through and actually talk to the engineers and talk to the technicians and see the aircraft and give them the chance to perhaps visualise themselves, um, you know, in that domain, in that space in the future. Because what's that term? Can't be what you can't see. Yeah, so it's, it's basically giving students the opportunity to say, 
do you know what? My compass is pointed that way. It's pointed at this, this resonates with me. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up my career in a way that points in that direction. It's a massive part of it. It's a relatively easy thing for us to do. If it stirs an emotion and sets a goal for somebody at a critical part of their studies, then we've succeeded. Engineering graduate Stephanie agrees. There are so, so many appealing aspects to being a young person in defence. The key draw point is usually having the opportunity to work on state-of-the-art and large-scale projects. It's just something you can't usually get elsewhere. So this leads to having a wealth of training and development opportunities available to you on the job. After this journey through manufacturing facilities, hangars and airfields, I saw that the heart of Australia's aviation evolution is a combination of passion and technology and the ability for defence and industry to work together. However, as Mark Binskin will tell you, the heartbeat of the industry is people. The importance of industry and the Defence Force working together in a partnership and understanding that we're all working together for the national security of this country, that's really important. And developing our people. Our people are the key, whether in industry or in the Defence Force, the people are the key to what we do. We've always had fantastic people right back from an Air Force perspective since uh, when Air Force was first formed 100 years ago. And it's always the people that give us the ability to do what we can do, to maximise what we have, to understand where we go and to work together to do it. The past century of Australian aviation has been an exciting journey. Our eyes are now set on the growing Williamtown Regional Sustainment Hub. Thanks to all our guests who spoke to us for this episode of Technically Possible. If you haven't listened already, you can find all previous episodes of Technically Possible on your favourite podcast player. And let us know what you think. Find us on social media at BAE Systems Australia or drop an email to tppodcast at baesystems.com. In our next episode, we venture further afield to meet the people and technology behind JORN, the Jinder Lee Operational Radar Network. Technically Possible is produced by BAE Systems Australia and Audiocraft. Music is by Epidemic Sound.